I'm no longer. 
this is going to be an interesting morning. If I can get all this out that's inside of me, it'll be a miracle. I was, you know, this week getting stuff from three different Bibles and uh, said, Lord, how am I going to do it? What if I forget? What if I forget which Bible it's time to read from? Don't think he said, don't, don't, it doesn't really matter that much. His word is the word. I just have some different uh, um, versions, but we didn't come to have church. We came to meet God. We came to hear from God. You know, 2019 has come. You cannot continue on the way we have done things. You know, you can't just have church the way we've always had church. And I know, how do you break it up? You know, you worship, you give, you fellowship, you preach, you teach. You know, I, I know there's only so many ways you can do that. I know real church is when we leave, when we go out the doors and we carry him with us and we are about the Father's business. You know, whenever two or more gather, it doesn't matter. You can gather at Walmart, a food lion. You know, you can gather wherever. But, you know, there's purpose for our coming together, for encouragement. You know, we want daily bread. We, you know, and we seek that on our own. But we come together corporately and to hear what God is saying. And God better be saying. No, actually, God is saying we better be listening. You know, Lord, Revelation says, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. It doesn't say, God, open your mouth wide and speak. He's speaking clearly. But give us ears to hear so that we would be those that are in line with the purpose of, he purpose of heaven. Does that make sense? So, you know, I was thinking over there, you know, I read this week where Jesus taught in all their synagogues. He preached the gospel of the kingdom and healed the sick. I said, Lord, which one do I do today? He said, all three. All three. You teach, you preach the gospel of the kingdom, and you heal the sick. And so we're going to have a time of, at the altar and, and, um, and then just trust him to move us out of the way. Always, Lord, put me under the blood. Lord, I lay at the foot of the cross, you know, because how many of you know there's not a whole lot of good in any of us? The good is in him. Jesus himself said, why do you call me good? There's no good except the Father. And if he would say that, that means that it's true with us. There's nothing we can do. We have no confidence in the flesh. None. Now, we've had a lot of confidence in the flesh in the church in America, but God's going to come and break that altar of confidence in the flesh so that we'll be confident in the Spirit. Well, if I don't get started, I'll never get started. So I better get started. You know... It's well said. You might want to take a note. The pastor said, if you don't get started, you never will get started. Wow, that's, gee, that's amazing. Wow, thank you for that revelation. You know, but I did hear, I have to address, now we, you know when we preach, we're not only speaking to those here, now there are those watching. There's a family of the gathering that joins us from all over. That's really pretty, pretty amazing. But we're also speaking into the heavens, you know, 
the church will make the manifold wisdom of God known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. So we're speaking truth into the, the heavens. And hell is greatly affected when we speak the truth. You know, when you prophesy, things, the dry bones come alive. If you don't prophesy, the dry bones stay dry. So we prophesy, we preach, we teach, we sing, we speak under the unction. But I, I saw this week where um, one of the first things the newly elected Congress did was... Now, I know you have to go through a process of passing the budget. But the first, one of the first things was sneak in an item to fund abortion, worldwide abortion. And uh, what, you know, through the United Nations. Now, it's always dressed up, you know, in women's rights issues and women's health issues and all of that. It's not, it's murder. Anyway, Proverbs chapter 24 says, Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, now that's to us. If you say, but we knew nothing about this. Does he not weigh the heart, or he the way the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? And anyway, I, um, I thought, God, I can't let a Sunday go by if they just slip that in the budget this week. An entire political party standing on the side of death and destruction. And Anyway, then I saw this that backed it up. Do you know what the leading cause of death in the world is in, in 2018? Was abortion. It wasn't cancer. It wasn't suicide. It wasn't war. All these things. It was abortion. And I saw some of the stats. There were nearly 42 million abortions Worldwide in 2018, 41.9 as of December 31st, 2018. And then it goes on, it said there were 8.2 million people died of cancer. Now that's too many of cancer. You know, if in my book, we're at war with cancer. You know, cancer is an enemy of, of God's people. It's a horrible demon out of hell. Anyway, 5 million died from smoking, 1.7 from AIDS and HIV. And, uh, but one quarter, or un, just under a quarter of all pregnancies, 23% were ended by abortion in 2018. Of every 33 live births, 10 infants were aborted worldwide. Now, in, a, in America, abortions have been, on, you know, been going down, the statistics, but still it's the highest death rate in the United States as well. And I was thinking about this lady that some of us know in Ohio who's been so faithful with what they call the heartbeat bill. You've been keeping up. And anyway, she is a warrior. If you know, I'm telling you, she is a mighty woman of God. And she's been pounding the, you know, the laws and the congressmen and senators in Ohio. And she was so close to getting that bill passed. And one vote in the Senate defeated it. But then the governor of Ohio said he would veto it had it been passed. But I just said, God, there are so many people out there, they have been warriors for their, the faith that you've given them, the cause that you've given them. And Janet is one of them. And, uh, but one vote. And I just, you know, there's going to be a place of honor for people like that, that have stood and they've, they've stood against the darkness and so what if they didn't see victory yet? 
But I'm still believing for victory. You know, Jesus said this about abortion. He said, you've heard it said that of those you shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be in danger of the judgment. I tell you, an entire political party is in danger of the judgment of God. And, and now I know there's forgiveness because there are people here, people watching. You say, well, I had an abortion. You know what the answer is? Repentance. You just acknowledge. You say, God, I've committed sin. It's sin before you. And I ask you to forgive me. And how many of you know there's forgiveness? Repentance. There is forgiveness. There's new beginnings. But still, it's a major plague. And I was going to read. Well, I'll read anyway. Look over in Psalm 5. You guys going to be with me this morning? Nobody's going to get up and leave. Okay, please. You get up and leave, I'll get a complex. <clears throat> no, I won't. I don't know. I've been around too long. You don't get complexes anymore. You just press on. If God's saying anything through Shirley and I, it's, you know, you just be faithful. You stay consistent. He that endures to the end. The church has been through all kinds of stuff. Some come, some go. Sometimes a lot of go. I remind the Lord, just remind him. He said, those who bear fruit will be pruned. I said, God, but can't you change it a little bit? No. You want to bear fruit? You get pruned. So that you can bear more fruit. His ways are higher than our ways. Far higher. I don't sometimes agree with God's ways. Is somebody like, anybody like you, like that, it, you know, you don't necessarily agree. But then I, somebody told me one time, God does a lot better job of being God than you. And you know that's true. Anyway. I'll get through this by the grace of God. Look over in Psalm 5. It says, you're, this is, I want to just back up that abortion thing, and then we're going to press on. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, verse 4, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You, now this is God, hate. That's a strong word, if you ask me. I looked it up. It means separated from love, shunned. An enemy or a foe. You know, you're going to either be a friend of God in this hour or you're going to be his foe. One or the other. And the way you decide is not by what man tells you. It's by what the word of God defines. The standard of the word. You hate all the workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. Well, that speaks a lot in America today. To CNN and ABC and on and on and on. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. The bloodthirsty. I was thinking about that in relation to abortion, funding abortion. But as for me, here's, what, here's the answer. I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. I will fear you, or in fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. Can I tell you, there's going to be a day in America, people are going to run to the house of God. And they're going to run, number one, for mercy. In, the, in your house are the multitude of mercies. God, I need mercy. My way has not worked out very well. I need the mercy of God. And in fear of you, I will worship towards your holy temple. And then in verse 8, another reason they'll come is to lead. They'll say, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Because of the multitude of the enemies of God. So I want to just pray that God would just raise up, that he'll honor Janet. I'm not going to, don't need to mention her last name. It's not important. But she's just been one of those warriors. And, and we just pray, God, in this scourge in America of death, it's a policy of death. 
It is the bloodthirsty. Now, does everyone that's behind abortion know that it is a sacrifice to Baal? No. They don't all know that. Probably, what, 1%? I don't know. But some of them know. They know exactly what it is, that it is a sacrifice to their God. So anyway, Lord, we just want to repent. Right off the bat in 2019, we repent that already a newly elected Congress has chosen to fund, sneaking it in, fund abortions worldwide. God, we repent of this crime. Lord, you said those who commit murder. We've heard it said of old that those who commit murder, are they not in danger of the judgment? And so, God, we know that in the, it really was a heartbeat. It, a, a child in the womb is living. Lord, you've given us so many scriptures that confirm that. And so we ask you to forgive us. And we ask you to raise up, God, many more Janets. Lord, we bless Janet. God, honor her. Let her be filled with faith, not defeat or discouragement. We thank you for her, her, her like she's a soldier. And uh, God, there are many in our nation that have risen up where you've commissioned them. And they've, they haven't seen the victory yet. But God, we ask you to rise up and scatter the enemy and break the cords of abortion in America. Lord, we know obviously the congressmen and women cannot do it. So God, we're asking you to do it, God. Rise up, O oh God, and scatter the enemy and deliver us from this evil, we pray. God, we know all of the blood is crying up from the ground all over the earth. And we pray for vengeance, God. We ask for justice for the blood that's been shed of the prophets, apostles, preachers, sons and daughters of the living God that have been slaughtered. We pray, Lord. God, I know much of the church has forgotten all about it. it said, don't go there anymore. It's old news. God, it's, it's, it's in the news. So we just thank you. And we want to see righteousness dwell in the earth and in our nation, God. And you said, Lord, you would mark the people that cry out over the sins in the land. It's not something we're to ignore. You said if we ignore it in the Proverbs, does he that weigh the hearts, does he not see what you've ignored? And so, God, we cry out to you. I ask you to mark everyone in this room, everyone that's watching, as those, a part of those who are crying out for God regarding the sin of the land, that you would come and mark them, Lord, and you'll protect them in this hour. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we've got to press on. This is going to be a year you're going to have to decide right off the bat, I'm going to press on. Can I tell you that? You will have an opportunity to forsake God in 2019. You'll have an opportunity to quit. You say, well, can you do that? There's a great apostasy, a great departure. Many of those who walked with the Lord, they walked with him no longer. Remember, it's scriptural. And there were the disciples that said, but who can we run to? You alone have the words of life. So there are going to be many others, on the other hand, that will become more impassionate, more in love, more on fire for Jesus. I'm telling you, watch out. The church is alive in this nation. It's a remnant. We're going to talk about that some today. But anyway, you know, at the first of the year, you always, you know, what is God saying? You know, for 2019... And I shared a couple weeks ago, it was like a sneak preview of what I believe God's saying. Now, what I'm one of those that believe, you know, we need to remember what those said in 2016 and 17 and 18 and judge what they said. Prophecies are to be judged. 
There are all kinds of prophecies about the new year and those things. And then we just take them and we enjoy them, and, but we forget to judge them. Those that are come to pass are those that were spoken from the mouth of the Lord. I mean, if you know, not everything that men speak is necessarily what God is speaking. You know, that's really just, you can see that. But anyway, and I, so I need what I spoke judged. But anyway, in Galatians chapter 6, we were looking at some things. Look over in Psalm 3 real quick. Psalm 3. Now, you guys are going to have to make a little noise to let me know you're here. Because anyway, you know, sometimes you just need that. But Psalm 3. Now, how many of you want to be blessed? 2019, I've heard some say this is a year of blessing. And I'm, I'm in agreement. Right off the bat, I'm not tossing that word out. I want all the blessing. His blessings overtake us. The bl- and look, look in verse 8 of Psalm 3. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Say, His blessing is upon me, my children, my family. Now, that's the truth. But how do you, you know where that verse ends up in, in chapter 3? At the end. So, it's a goal. It's a promise. It's a surety. But look back in verse 1. Well, let me just, before I read back in verse 1, I, I, I read across a devotion this, quick, this week, just really quick, and he was talking about how, was it 30 years ago, a speaker got up and began to preach, and he said, battle and blessing, 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 battle and blessing. And he said, the guy writing the devotion said, I wonder, where's he going with this? Will this ever end? And you know, you think about it. When someone's going through battles, they wonder, are the blessings ever coming? Is this the end of it? And then when you're going through great blessing, you tend to forget, yet maybe there are some battles yet still ahead. And that's exactly, that was really a word from the Lord. Because look at this, O Lord. Now remember the context in verse 8. Your blessing is upon your people. Verse 1, Lord, how they've increased. Say increase. Who trouble me? Remember Jesus said, you know, you're going to have troubles in this life, but nevertheless, I've overcome the world. Be of good cheer. Many, they've increased. Many are those who rise up against me. Now the verse to remember when you read that is, yeah, there's many against me, but if God be for me, who can be against me? That's what you remember with that. Many are they who say of me, there's no help for him and God. You know, that's the ultimate right there. The enemy comes along and says, look at all these other people. They're being blessed beyond measure, but they ain't no help in you. you you're beyond help. You remember what you did, that sin, now you're, that disqualified you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, the enemy comes, now yeah, you've blown it, you've messed up. But look in verse 3. But you, O Lord, three things are a shield, say a shield. A shield about me or for me. The word really means around me. God's going to be a shield around you. He's got your backside. Some people wonder, does anybody in this world really have my backside? God has your backside. He has your blind side. There are things coming out of the blind side, but God knew all about it. And then he's my glory. He's my glory. You You want to see the glory of the Lord? Can I tell you who he is? His name is Jesus. He is the glory of the Father. 
my glory, and the one who lifts my head. Now, when I read that the first time, and I felt like the Lord said, tell the people, I saw a vision of the Lord coming along and putting his hand underneath the chin of people in this room and lifting their chin up like this. That's what I saw. He said, hey, it's not as bad as you think. You keep looking down there. It looks pretty bad. Lift up your eyes to the hills from where your help comes from. Be lifted up. There's a God that's on your side that's greater than he that's in the world. So anyway, I thank you, God, for reminding me of that. And then the rest of it, he says, I cried to the Lord, and then he heard me from his holy hill. So he's a shield. He's my glory. He's my lifter. And he heard me. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people. You want a word for 2019? This is a good scripture. Who have set themselves against me all around because God's a shield around me. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You've broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Blessing, your blessing is upon your people. And that's good stuff, isn't it? And it's the way that God said, so battle and blessing. You want a word for the year. Battle and blessing. Battle and blessing. But just focus on the blessing. Remember, that's where it ends. You know how they always tell us, I've read the end of the story and we win. You got to remember the end of the story. Because some people going through some chapter they don't like and they want to check out. Hey, listen, remember the end of the story. Remember the end intended for Job. Job had everything taken from him. But there was an end intended by the Lord. And God restored all. And I'm telling you, God is a God that knows the end from the beginning. And he's with you all through the journey, the wilderness, the journey. Every promise of God, there has to be a test to see if we're going to believe him when things go the opposite direction. Well, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. And maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm right on target. So anyway, I want to review quickly that word that I spoke a few weeks ago. Look over in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians in chapter 6. And then I'm going to get to Zechariah. Because I believe God has given me something out of the book of Zechariah that I believe is timely. I believe it's a word. You know, I was thinking this week, prophecy. People sometimes wonder, are you guys... We don't care. We don't want to be called prophets. But there is prophetic preaching that God's going to restore to the land. People want to hear, you know, some fancy prophecy. But God wants to restore prophetic preaching. When you preach out of the word, the, thus saith the Lord. Out of the word. Because his word is still relevant for the hour. It's not man's opinions. It's what God has always said. His word is tried and tested. It's been refined seven times. The word of the Lord shall not return void. So anyway, Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Here's a word I believe. Do not be deceived. Led astray. Led off the path. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So you only have two choices. You either sow to the flesh or you sow to the Spirit. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season, say due season, 
we shall reap if, if we do not lose heart. And so let me read that in the Amplified. You want to, now this is really good, the Amplified version. Do not be deceived and deluded and misled. God will not allow himself to be sneered at, scorned, disdained, or mocked by mere pretension or profession of his precepts being put aside. Three things. Did you notice that? God's not going to be mocked by pretensions, those who pretend to be something they're not, or professions with the mouth, but they do not live that lifestyle the rest of the week. Or he will not be mocked by putting his precepts aside. You know, there are those today, and they speak great words of prophecy. And I'm not saying all of those are not of God. But they, it's all about almost themselves rather than himself. I'll give you an example. Remember Jesus on the road to Emmaus. And he goes, there's two disciples, and they're all sad about stuff that's going on. And Jesus shows up, and, he, and uh, why are you so sad? Well, don't you know what's happened? The one we thought was going to be the answer and all this. And, and it, of course, as he got near to them, their heart began to burn. He made himself known. But it also spoke about, in that scripture, to the, to the two disciples, how that he revealed himself, but he became known to them as he revealed himself, his word. How, how does that scripture go? Somebody help me remember that. When he made, right at the end, the last, somebody look it up. There, no, there's just something more. This is where I'm going to get you to help me. No, the last scripture of that chapter, of that little section. He did make himself known in the breaking of bread. No, look it up in the scripture. You're just guessing. I can guess. Look it up. No, no. I'm telling you. Well, it talks about how did it, how did the way the Lord put it? How did he put it in that? Does anybody find it? Find it. This is not a preaching. I'm not a professional. I'm just trying to deliver the word of the Lord that's burning in my heart. And I'm flesh and blood. And you guys, your fingers are too slow. Everybody should have a Bible. If I can have three Bibles open up on this altar, you can have one in your lap. Anybody get there yet? Say that again? Well, that's part of it. Did you know what it says in the Scripture? Okay, well, you got me. Hey, he's foolish. He's foolish and slow to believe. I'm just telling you. Yes. No, look at... Go ahead. Last verse in that chapter. Or, or look at the section. In the, yeah, the section. What does it say? That's it. All of you answered correctly, by the way. You answered correctly. But that's what I'm looking for. Jesus walks up to these two guys on the road to Emmaus, and he expounds to them from the Scriptures all things pertaining to himself. Today, much of the prophecy are things not from the Scripture, but things pertaining to what I saw rather than what he said and is done. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? He expounded from the scriptures. 
not from his own soul, what he saw, expounded from the word of God. All things that pertain to himself. And I'm telling you, God's going to bring us back to that standard. It's all things pertaining to the Lord Jesus Christ. When this thing wraps up, you know what it's all going to be about? Jesus. Everything will be wrapped up in him, summed up in him. It's all going to be about, we were singing today, Jesus, Jesus. It's all about him. It's all going to be focused on him. You're not going to remember all of the fancy words. You're going to remember him. He is the word. Anyway, it's probably a little soapbox, but you know we're going to go for it. I'm going to believe God. I've been around too long. I want to go out fighting. I want to go out faith. I want, to, I want him to look at me in that day and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've delivered to the people all things pertaining to the Son of God. Not to your own self, but himself. I tell you, there's something more. Revelation, you guys are getting it. I can see it in your face. So go home and study on it. Read that chapter. And, um, but anyway, another word that came out is no more delay. And we've been hearing that, haven't we? No more delay, no more delay, no more delay. And I don't know. I'm just believing. I'm going to believe that one, period. No more delay. No more delay for America. No more delay for our children, our families, the church in the land. No more delay. Now, regarding reaping, there's the principle. You know, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. It's just going to happen. It's a natural. Then there's the ultimate, the harvest at the end of the age, which is the reaping of all things that have been sown, both good and evil. And then... There's the encouragement that not only will the evil be reaped, because most people, when they look at that, they look at the evil. You know, it's the good that's been sown will also be reaped. So how do we sow what is good? Well, we have to sow the Word. The good seed is the the Word of God. And then we can't grow weary. We can't lose heart, become discouraged, disillusioned. We must wait. Due season means God's season. Not your season. Not my season. And then we must have an expectancy. This is the way I thought about it. It's kind of like one time when we lived over in the Hollywood house. There's a road called Hollywood. It was one of the Morningstar homes, and we lived there, and we planted a garden, didn't we? It was a garden. It really was. You wouldn't probably believe it if you'd driven by it. But it was a garden, and there were green beans. And anyway, I went to pick the green beans with nothing to put the green beans in. So I filled my pockets with green beans. I filled my shirt with green beans. Filling everywhere I could find green beans. I didn't tell you that. But I couldn't. I could only get so many green beans. And it's like the Lord said, what do you think those Walmart, Walmart bags are for? What do you think they're taking up space in your... Bring them with you. You'll have more. And so God is saying, you've got to expect a big harvest. Expect, get your bags ready. Build your barns. Believe as if the masses are going to come to Jesus. Because they are. It's God's will that none should perish. But all should come to repentance. Get your bags ready. So anyway, that's what he said. Now here's some things we mentioned. What were two areas where we can expect to reap. Things we prayed for. Don't forget that. Things you prayed for over 2018 and and 17 and 16. and God, things we labored for. We're co-laborers. Things we believe for. You remember the scripture over in Mark. Jesus said, I say unto you. 
if you say, whatever you say shall be given. And if you say, you read that text, Jesus says something twice. Now, he says the whole thing. But he says that they have to say something four times. He that says or asks or speaks to the mountain, it shall be removed. You know, I, I guess it was uh, New Year's Day. I, Seth texted me wishing us a happy New Year, Seth, you know. And, um, he, and he said, this is going to be a year of mountains into the sea. And as I was reading that this week, I thought, boy, you know, Seth had a word of the Lord. Now, that's a prophecy because he, it was out of his spirit and it bore witness with the word. I'm telling you, those things you say, if you speak to this mountain, it shall be cast into the sea. This is the day for that. We've got to believe God. We can't back up. And then things we've waited for. Oh, how many of you are really patient? None of us. But it's through patience and faith that they inherit the promises. Say patience and faith that they inherit the promise. Okay? And then things we've been made for. We are his workmanship, and I shared that. We're not going to go back there. Things we've contended for, things we've fought for. We're to be people that are contending, contending for our families, contending for our children. The promise is spoken over our children, contending for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. Remember that in the book of Titus. Contend for the truth. Years ago, somebody told me they saw a banner of truth being raised over the gathering. And I took that serious, and I said, God, let me be one that raises a banner of truth. And Lord, may not everybody here, I don't know how many here, but I want to raise the banner. And we got to do that. We have to raise the banner of truth. And then we contend for the lost. We contend for healings and miracles. Remember Martha and Mary, you know, the sisters of Lazarus. Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, remember that, but that the glory of God, that the Son of God, before the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Say, through it. Now, that tells us a couple things. First of all, there obviously must be a sickness unto death, or he wouldn't have said it. He doesn't say things for our entertainment. So the, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. There are other sicknesses waiting for the church to arise and be about what God said to do, heal the sick, so that the Son of Man may be glorified. Does that make sense? How is the whole earth going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord? It's by the glory of the Lord filling the people of God, rising up, doing the will of God. Does that make sense? That's where we are right now. He's making soldiers of the saints. I could go into that. I won't. I'm just going to try to stay the course. But that's what you're being made for. There's a fire in you that the devil has not been able to put out or you wouldn't be sitting here this morning. You'd be somewhere else. I'm just telling you, I know what God's raising up. And he only needs a Gideon's army. And this is a big thing. This is not just a little church thing. This is about America. It's about nations. Nations. Who are you? I'm no one. God's everyone. God's everything. That's who he is. But anyway, so we contend for miracles. We contend. We're not going to let up. Cancer is a foul disease. Somebody was reminding me today. If you hadn't heard this, 
I don't want to open a can of worms. But cancer is a big money business. There's some folks do not want the answer to cancer to be made known. And so anyway, these people are evil. But God's going to raise up the church in the midst of. They, they are the de- devil's disciples doing what the devil's. The devil is the one who skills, steals, kills, and destroys. But God's going to, the antidote is Jesus. And he's going to raise the church up to spoil the plans of the powers of darkness and heal cancer in the midst of cancer. I'm telling you, cancer is a foul disease. We're going to believe God. And then we contend for the things that look impossible. Because Jesus said with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. And then we contend for revival and awakening. I'm not going to let go. I don't care if the the ship starts sinking. I'm going to still hold on to that promise of a third great awakening for our nation. God will honor that kind of faith. I'd rather hang on and endure to the end than give up and quit like so many. And said it was a pie and buy in sky, whatever. Yeah, pie in the sky. Thank you, my wife. Pie in the sky. You know, we should have a pie on the table instead of the sky. We need, anyway, we don't need them on the table. And then, you know, we contend for our nation and the nations. That's why people are going. You know, I believe this year people will be going to different nations. Some of you need, need to go. You need to go so that God will use you. Now, let's go to Zechariah. All of that was preview. And I'm not going to take a lot of time, but you got to see this out of the book of Zechariah. Some of this stuff blew me away. You ever been blown away by the Word of God? I know you have. And I know all of many, most of you, all of you. Because how do you even know you're one of His disciples? You abide in the Word. And the Word abides in you. If you don't abide in the Word, you can call yourself a disciple all day. You're not a disciple of the Lord Jesus. He is the Word of God. You follow the Word, the Word, the living Word. Anyway, I've been thinking for a long time, you know, God, we probably should pay attention to the prophets in the Bible to see what they have to say. And then, you know, we know we have, they relate to today. God, your Word is, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I know that Jesus is concealed in the old, revealed in the new. I know we're not under an old covenant. But you said, God, all those things that have been written or spoken beforehand, on whom the ends of the ages have come, that's us. And we are to pay attention. These things were written for our example. I mean, say example. Example. Zechariah, Amos, Joel. Malachi, these things were written for our example on whom the ends of ages have come. So we need to pay attention. And I've been thinking, God, maybe we need to focus on some of these books. So I'm going to start by focusing on Zechariah really quick. And then maybe we can go, we really need to focus on Joel. Joel has really been misinterpreted. (laughs) There's a lot that's been misinterpreted. Joel's army is not, oh boy, I'll wait until we get there. Anyway, we're dealing with Joel's army right now. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. God. Huh? I know you don't. Yeah, you don't open the door unless you can close it. So don't open the door. Forget I said Joel. 
Forget it. Forget it. Wipe it out. No. What did he say? Mark. He said Mark. No, Matthew. It was not Joel. Today it's Zechariah. So, Zechariah chapter 1. No. Chapter 10. Say what now? Zechariah chapter 10. Now we're going to look at some scriptures. But let, one, one more thing before we jump into this. Acts 3.19. Because where are you going with all this, David? Acts 3.19 is a key scripture for the hour. We won't read it, but I'm just going to refer to it. It speaks of Jesus. It says, you know, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that what? Times of restoration may come. And then he talks about the times of restoration, things that were spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets. It says that heaven will retain Jesus until the restoration of all the things that have been spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. Who's he talking about? Zechariah, Amos, Malachi. Joel, on and on. That's why Jesus, oh man, help me God. That's why Jesus on the road to Emmaus, he talked to them about the things that had been written from the prophets about himself. He used the prophets, but he pointed the attention because even the prophets were pointing to him. They didn't know it. Some of them maybe had an inclination. They were pointing toward a coming Messiah, but still, Jesus spoke concerning himself. That's one of the ways we're going to discern false prophecy from real prophecy. Who does it concern? I'm telling you, at the end of the age, it's going to concern Jesus. Now, God will use various voices, but Jesus is the ultimate. The attention is going to be upon him. Okay, so, Zechariah chapter 10 This is what I believe the Lord has given me. And let me just read uh, that. that, Well, first of all, I'll give you some uh, background. I got a lot of stuff here, but I'm trying to get it out in just a few moments so we can go to lunch. We're having lunch here, though. You know that, don't you? Man shall not live by bread alone, (laughs) but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's what it says. Jesus said, I have bread you know not of. I tell you, this has to be our meat. This has to be our daily bread. You don't make it in the world without daily bread. He is the bread of life. Our daily bread. And you need fresh manna. You don't need what so-and-so said 10 years ago. We need what God is saying today. Today. What is the Spirit saying to the church? Oh, man. Okay, the remnant. They came out of Babylonian captivity, out of the book of Zechariah. Here's a quick little review. They, they were the only hope for the nation. That's why we're, we're praying for our president, but we know the hope is not who occupies and not in who occupies the White House. The hope is in who's occupying God's house. And filled with God, and they're doing the will of God. Not wannabes. James said, there are many that hear the word, but they don't do it. And they deceive themselves. And there are many today across America, they'll hear the word of God, but they won't do the word of God when they walk out those doors. 
and they're deceived, the Bible says. Then that Jesus said, don't be deceived. But anyway, we're praying, God move. You know, it's interesting. Now, this fits with today and the ones that God's raising up. I'm thinking of one in particular. Zechariah was aware that the nation had fallen to such a degree they could not, listen, no amount of sweet talking, milky language, polite manners, yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes sir, no sir. Now I grew up in the South. They taught me to say yes ma'am and no ma'am. When I was a little boy, you better say yes ma'am and no ma'am. And I did. And I carried that, you know, through much of my life. I, I, I still, people sometime younger than me, I would say yes sir. You know, and they'd look at me like, where you come from? I come from Louisiana. So my mom and dad taught me to say that, you know, but anyway. But that was not going to do it for the nation. None of this yes ma'am, no ma'am stuff. God had to raise up somebody that was a little crude and rude. He raised up Zechariah. Now, you read this about him. He was a criticizer and an energizer. That's what some of the commentators say. First of all, he criticized the current worldview that dominated the thinking of the culture. His strong language, often abrupt, out of place, out of turn, was meant to shake up the hardness of their heart and open their ears that had been closed to the truth. Does this sound like anybody today in the political realm? Secondly, Zechariah was an energizer because what he did, he sought to energize the people into the possibility of the new view, worldview of what could happen if a nation turned back to God. Now that's where the church comes in. You know what I mean? What could happen if America repented and turned back to God? What, you know, that's the part of the church. But Zechariah used strong language, almost, not almost, it was offensive, shocking to the hearers to penetrate the hardness of their heart. It's amazing the days we're living in. Can you believe we get to live in times like this? God's word is coming alive. We don't have to get our news from the news. We get our news from God's word. Because his news, his word is relevant for the very hour in which we're living. It speaks into the very issues of your life. Somebody back in my early days drilled that in me and I've never forgotten. It's what God says. Thus saith the Lord that it will speak into any generation with any problem any generation will ever face. And it's been in my heart, and I ain't losing it long as my life. Now, some of the scriptures, some of the dominant scriptures in the book of Zechariah. Then we'll get to the points. It won't take too long. Remember chapter 1. Thus saith the Lord, return to me, and I'll return to you. That's what he said. There was a condition. You want the blessing of God. Okay, bless me. Okay, return to me and I'll return to you. Turn now from your evil ways and deeds. But they did not hear nor heed him. That's what the scripture says. You know what they did? They did what we read out of the Amplified. They put the precepts of God aside. They put them aside. They didn't want to hear the word of the Lord. Is that not where America is today? You stand up in the halls of Congress and say, this is what God says about this matter. You will be escorted out the door promptly. But we're going to say it anyway. God's going to get some of us 
It just reminded me of a dream. Yeah, this is cool. You ready for this one? This is one of the first dreams I ever had, Joseph, when I was really young in all this. God has often led me through dreams, prophetic dreams, going to places, and then he confirmed it in many ways. But I had a dream one day. This is really way back. I was saying, thus saith the Lord in front of a TV camera like this one. Thus saith the Lord thy God. And they, the folks listening didn't like it. And they came to arrest me. And I disappeared. And they started asking, where'd he go? Where'd he go? And I was gone. Now, maybe God's going to do that. I don't know. You know, you, God's going to do Hey, some of us may show up in the halls of Congress. What are you going to do when you get there? Read, you know, what's on the menu for the Navy bean soup? No. You're going to say, thus saith the Lord. I don't know how God's going to do this. We've got to have a supernatural God. This is not normal. America's not going through a norm. We need God in the hour. How many of you would be willing to speak, thus saith the Lord, if he puts you in a situation you could not have gotten to unless he got you there? Would you be willing? Or you raise your hand. I'm commissioning you. You do. That's anointing. Listen, God, why do you, why do you, the only folks that would come to Moravian Falls are folks that are radical and ready to live, run with you. So God, you got to start using us because some folks get weary. You know, they, they're not getting used. They're ready to run out. But I'm telling you, don't. Leave your post. This is the most important hour in history. It's the most important hour in at least American history. Wait till you show what I show you the word. Okay, the next thing. Chapter 2. God drew the measuring line to see the, if the nation measured up. Chapter 2 also. Jerusalem. Now, this is good. Jerusalem would become a city without walls. So, you know what God did? He became a wall of fire around them. God is into walls. In Genesis, he separated the people by families, by nations, by lands, by boundaries, by borders. It was the people that wanted to do away with the boundaries, and they thought, well, if we could just build ourselves a city and get up to where heaven, we could become as God. Nothing would be impossible for us. That's what God said. So he came and scattered their languages. These folks in Congress have no inclining. God is behind the borders. He's not a borderless God. Anyway, I don't know how, what do you do with this kind of stuff? You just preach it. You let it go. Should I say this, God? Yes, because Rodney Howard Brown wrote about it. Because I'm going to say it. We did finish that book. Remember I showed you that book that Rodney Howard Brown wrote? Killing Uncle Sam. Don't read it if you are weak heart. If you don't want to know the truth of some things that have been going on. But anyway, toward the end of that book, he talks about, you know one of the main reasons there are those who do not want a wall on our southern border? How many of you know? It's about drugs. It is an open drug flow of heroin into the nation. There are millions and millions, billions of dollars at stake. Now, do all the politicians know that? No. No, they don't all know, obviously. There's some that do. You can tell those that do. You can see it in their eyes. You know, they're not getting away with anything. We know what they're up to. It's also a, a way of bringing in trafficking, child trafficking, children. I'm telling you, it's evil. 
Their purpose for, for walls. You, you have a door so evil can't come in. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way to heaven. You're not going. There's not a borderless heaven. You got to go through the door. You have to go through Jesus. Anyway, we should say these kind of things and then get back to the word. But if you want to read a book of what's really been going on, and I thank God for Rodney Howard Brown and that other guy writing that book. This stuff needs to come out. Everything that's going to be shaken will be shaken so that what God has said will be the only thing that remains. What God has established. And you know what he's establishing, don't you? What is the only thing that can't be shaken in this hour? His kingdom. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken because we're standing on the rock that will not give way. I don't care what storms come. I'm on a solid ground and so are you if you're in Christ. And then chapter 2, this is where he said that he that touches you touches the apple of my eye. You know God was serious when he said that? It said, and those who did, he would shake his hand against them and they would know that he, the Lord of hosts, has sent Zechariah. Now I know that's speaking in this text to Jerusalem and I believe that but I also believe that I'm a part of the apple of his eye in this hour. I'm a part of that apple. He that touches me is touching someone that godly greatly delights in. That's you. Is that, do you not want that? Absolutely. It's who we are. And then chapter 3, verse 7. He would remove the iniquity of the land in a day. Can a nation be saved in a day? That's what it says. All I know. God, now that's going to have to be an act of God. He's going to have to put, not only put us in Congress, you're going to have to do something supernatural to save a nation in a day. You know, remove the inequity of the land. I don't know. But this is what Zechariah preached. And then there were two things in chapter 4. God said how Zechariah, who had, no, Zerubbabel. He's speaking about Zerubbabel there. That Zerubbabel had laid the foundation of the temple and God would use him to finish it. We're living in an hour that that which God begins through us, he's going to allow us to be a part of the finished product because he's already finished it all. Dreams that he's given you, you're going to fulfill. You're going to walk them out. He didn't just give it to you so you could say how wonderful it is. He wants to see how glorious he is when he finishes what he started in you. That's pretty good stuff, God. I hope you can hear. I hope you can hear. I'm hearing. And then he also said in that chapter, do not despise the day of small beginnings. And then also in Zechariah, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit saith the Lord. We get, that is a scripture for this year. It ain't going to happen by your might, nor your power, nor your military power, nor whatever power. It's by the spirit of the living God. America will only be saved as the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the land and upon the churches of the land. And it begins to rain again. And then in chapter 7, God calls the people to execute true justice, show mercy and compassion, even to his brother, everyone to his brother. Then in chapter 13, now we won't go there, but it talks about how two-thirds of the entire earth will be destroyed, one-third will be saved, but they will, be, they will go through the fire as a way to refine them and to test them. Now, or to test them, we'll cover that on a different day. 
Because I don't have all the answers to that. I don't have any of the answers unless she shows me. All I know is what God said. But back to Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1. Let's look what it says. Ask the Lord for rain. Let's ask him. God, send the rain. Ask the Lord for rain. In the day or the time of the latter rain. Come up, Shirley. Share this little vision she had while she's praying this week. Yes, I was praying a scripture that the Lord has given me, and periodically he reminds me to pray the certain one, and it's in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3 and 4, if you want to look it up. But it starts out where um, it says, The Lord will pour out his water on the thirsty and his water on the dry ground. So I tarry on that part about the water on the dry ground. This week as I was praying that, um, I was reminded of the dry ground of our House of Representatives and the Congress and all the hard hearts because the dry ground represents the hardness in people's hearts. The water represents his word, the essence of our Lord being poured out upon the land. And he taught me that there's no ground on this earth that will resist water, that it will be softened. So that gives me great faith to pray for very difficult people. So I was praying. I said, Lord, pour your water out on the halls of Congress. And just as I prayed that, I saw a sprinkler system go off in the Capitol building, everywhere in the Capitol building, and everyone was drenched. So now when I pray that, I have this vision of him pouring himself out and he's doing it i've prayed for that over america and i see it everywhere i turn i see his word his glory his testimony of his goodness in the most unlikely of places so just be encouraged with that yes amen amen that's my wife yes ask the lord for rain in the days in the time of the latter rain the lord will make flashing clouds and he will give them showers of rain grass in the field for everyone. Now, we need to understand a few things. Look down in verse, I'm going to read more of that in just a moment, in verse 2 and 3, but look in verse 3. It says, that My anger is kindled against the shepherds. I'll go there in a minute. For the Lord of hosts will visit his flock, the house of Judah, and will make them as a royal horse in the battle. Now, let's just try to put that together. They're asking for rain. What is the rain? Well, it says in verse 3, it's when God visits his flock. It's a visitation. What was the whole theme of this conference we had last August? Prepare for visitation. Prepare for the rain. Prepare for the sprinkle system to be opened up. So prepare for it. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to use his people. The Lord of hosts will visit his flock in verse 3, the house of Judah, and will make them as a royal horse in the battle. Now that says that God's raising a people up that are going to be almost as his horse. He's going to ride in on the people. So what's the purpose of visitation? It's to get us ready for the battles and the blessings, the battles and the blessings. Look in verse 5. They shall be like mighty men who tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle. Now, what's the mire? The slippery, mud, soggy, difficult. You can't get your grip. You can't stand firmly, you know, 
the most unfavorable conditions. In the mire of the streets and the battle, they shall fight because what? The Lord is with them. And then he gives the other group of horses, and the riders on horses shall be put to shame. There's a whole lot more than we have time to go. But the purpose of visitation is not for our enjoyment. It's to get us ready for the battles. Okay, so how did we begin all this? I'm going to look at the last few points. But we began by talking about the blessing of God. The blessing shall be upon your people. In verse 8. But then when you go back to verse 1, it says, But many are they, many are the troubles. You know, those rise up who are against me. And all of this, the troubles, those who are against. And there will be those who will say, there is no help for him and God. How many of you know right now the devil's saying to America, there's no help for America and God? Well, I tell you, there is help for America. There is hope. And it is only in God. But look in Zechariah, um, beginning with chapter 2. Here's why we need a visitation today. Let's see if it's not fits. Verse 2, for the idols speak delusion. The land in Zechariah's day was filled with idols. An idol is what? Anything we put above and before God. I, I looked at some scriptures about idolatry this week, and here's, I think it's a good definition. Number one, an idol is something that's man-made, man-created, other than, rather than God created. Psalm 24 says, I lifted up my soul to an idol. So it's something that, is, that demands our emotion. You see what I'm saying? You give yourself to it emotionally. It captures your mind, your thinking. Isaiah 48, 5. It says, lest you should say, my idol has done this. And my carved image and my molded image. So an idol is something that we put more stock in than the Lord God. That something we did had an impact other than what God did without us. Actually, God uses us as we put our trust in Him. You know, ministry can be an idol. That's why God needs to come and just rattle the chains all over the land. Because ministry can become a great idol in the sight of God. It's also what we sacrifice to. It's our time, our attention, our devotion. First Thessalonians, and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living God. Whenever we turn to idols, we forsake what's living and life-giving and we, we pursue what is only of the flesh and will bring corruption and death. Do you see that? First, uh, first John, little children, keep yourselves from idols. There's so much more we could say. We could have preached on idolatry. But then he says, the idols speak delusion. If this is not where America is today, I don't know. The definition of delusion, a belief or impression firmly maintained despite being contradicted by reality or what is rational. Is that not where we are? It's a mistaken belief with strong conviction. Even with superior evidence right in your face. You still believe the delusion. It's like, you know, you believe the, the sky is purple. And you're determined and you go outside and everybody's saying, no, look, the sky is blue. No, the guy says, no, it's purple. It's purple, it's not blue, it's purple. Besides, it's got polka dots in it and it's green. I'm determined they're not going to let go of that. Now, do we see any of that happening today? 
in the light of the evidence, people, well, this is why we need revival in the land. Because here's what 2 Thessalonians says. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, they did not receive the love of the truth. For this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie and that they may all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. How many of these would say we might be living in that day? That's why we need an outpouring. We need the rain. Now, how do we to live in that? You can read the rest of that chapter or that verse. It says, but we are bound to give thanks to you, God, always, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So the first one, the idols speak delusion. Secondly, the diviners envision lies. We need a visitation of God because of all the lies that have gripped the hearts of the people across the land 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, a diviner is someone who is a soothsayer. They tell the future and all of that. But did you know that there is a, you could actually be a diviner and claim to speak for the divine. You can claim to speak for God. Now, God, this is over my head, but I'm glad it's not over your head. You're going to have to back me up on this. Look over and real quick. I told you it wouldn't take long, so I'm going to be faithful. I'm just going to throw out these points. But you've got to see this in chapter 13, verse 2, Zechariah 13, 2. And it shall be in that day, says the Lord. I declare that day is this day. This is that which was spoken. Says the Lord of hosts that I will cut off the names of the idols from the land. Get ready. Get ready. I don't know how long it's going to take. But he said that thou shalt have no other gods before me. He wasn't just saying that for our instruction. He was saying that it ain't going to be. Thou shalt have no other gods when this thing's all wrapped and done, there ain't going to be a not an idol standing. Not a Dagon's are going to fall in the temples. And God's going to arise. There's only one God. There's no other idols in the land, or there will be, but he's going to cut them off. And then he speaks on later on, and you can read how there were those who spoke lies. That in particular, verse 3, you, ha- you shall not live because you have spoken lies in the name of the Lord. And in verse 4, they, they were not ashamed of their vision. When they prophesied, they wore a, a robe of coarse hair to deceive the people. Now, he's speaking about the prophets who wore this robe of coarse hair. That sometimes, not all the times, but prophets dressed a little differently in that hour. So he says, even though you dress like a prophet, you, do, you deceive the people. And God says, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to stop the prophecy that is not of my heart. That's what he says. That's why he says he's going to strike. Oh, look in verse 7. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion, says the Lord. Strike, I'm telling you, we're living in a serious hour. I want to just tell people, you claim to speak for God, you better speak for God. You better sit down, get out of the pulpit, 
unless you have a thus saith the Lord in this hour. You don't want to speak thus saith yourself in this hour. Because to much is given, much is required. And to those who have been given much are going to be held to stricter judgment. That's why the Lord said, let not many of you become teachers. Because with that calling will come a greater judgment. Judgment begins in the house of God. It's going to, ha- it's going to happen at the sons of Levi. The Levitical priesthood, I'm telling you. Oh, there's so much, God. How do I get it all out? You just stay my course. That's all I hear him saying. Stay the course. Go back to chapter 10. Now we're on the third thing. Say number three. Another reason we need an outpouring is they tell false dreams or the diviners envision lies and tell false dreams. I think that goes together. And then they comfort in vain. In other words, they present a temporary fix that sounds like it will help, but it doesn't help. That's what religion does. Religion sounds really good. If you just get a little religion, you're going to be all right. No, you're going to be worse than you were. Because you have, you've been spoiled by just a little bit of what's supposed to be helping you. You don't need religion. You need Jesus, the deliverer. Religion talks about demons. Jesus casts them out. I'm telling you. It's living in a different hour. They comfort in vain. We need an outpouring of the Spirit. Therefore, the people wend their way like sheep. In other words, the people were lost. They couldn't find their way. They're they're just going about through life as sheep with no shepherd. If you remember over in Ezekiel, when that happens, what did God do? He rose up a shepherd. It's himself. He is the great shepherd of the sheep. The only way you should follow a man is to the degree you see Jesus working through that man or woman. You understand what I'm saying? You don't follow men and women. God's going to crush that too. There's some men and women that have exalted themselves too big in this land. God's going to bring them down. Jesus is the big one in this land. He's the big one. And he's the only one. It's all going to be summed up in him at the end of the age. You're not even going to remember some of these great prophets of the hour. Does this sound okay? The people win their way. They have no one to lead. And then... But we do have to be leaders because that next verse says they are in trouble because there is no shepherd. They were in trouble because no shepherd. So we need leaders to lead, but leaders lead people to the shepherd. Leaders don't lead them to themselves. That leads them down a dirt in road. Lead them to the shepherd where my sheep hear my voice and another voice. They do not follow. Oh, my. Well, I'm going to wrap it up. There's a whole lot of stuff there. But just sum it up. Zechariah chapter 10. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The time of the latter rain is defined right under that where all that's going on in the land, there's idolatry, there's delusion, there are lies, there are false dreams, there's vain comfort. The people have lost their direction. Our nation has lost its direction. We've lost our course. They're in trouble because there's no shepherd. And the shepherds have led the sheep to them follow themselves rather than the great shepherd. And then so his anger is kindled against the shepherds. He says, the house of Judah... 
and will make them, as he's going to raise up a people, a remnant. Remember Zechariah, there was only a remnant of which he raised up, and they became his royal horse in the day of battle. From them, or him, comes the cornerstone, the tent peg, the battle bow. That's all instruments of war and judgment. We'll go there another day. And they shall be like mighty men who tread down their enemies. Is not the church going to make known the, to the principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God? It's going to happen. In the mire of the streets and the battle, even though it's messy, even though you can't find sometimes your footing, even though you keep getting knocked down, you get up again. You get up again. In the mire, in the streets, in the battle, they shall fight. Why? Because the Lord is with them. You know what's going to separate us from just anybody else on the face of the earth? His presence. It's Him. The Lord is with them. So Lord, we thank You for Your Word. God, we thank You that we have a promise of blessing as we enter into 2019. You said, my people are blessed. Daily, you overtake us with blessing. But Lord, you also reminded us that there are many troubles, there are battles, there are battles and blessing, battles and blessing, battles and blessing. Lord, help us not to lose sight of the blessing that not only comes at the end of the story, but the blessing in the midst of the battle. Because Jesus is ruling and reigning. And that he's with us. And God, I pray that you'd raise up a people in this place. And people watching right now, Lord, wherever, all across the land. That would be, as in Jeremiah's day, a people that are known by the God who is with them. And Lord, I pray faith would arise. Courage. And Lord, we thank you for those you, rise, you have raised up. Who sometime are a little bit coarse. A little bit you know, abrupt in their speech. Lord, we want to be loving, but Lord, thank you for those you do raise up, like Zachariah, who didn't care about the wishy-washy, yes ma'am, no ma'am stuff. They just said it like it was. We need that in America again, God. And we thank you for giving us an opportunity. As in Zachariah's day. So Lord, now we're asking what happened in Zachariah's day. Lord, we're asking for rain in the days of the latter rain. We're asking for rain upon our families, upon our children, upon our sons and daughters, and our sons' sons and daughters. And our daughters, God, we pray, Lord, for a mighty outbreak and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we're standing on what you spoke in the previous year where you said there was no more delay. Now is the time. This is the acceptable hour. This is the day we proclaim it over our nation. God, we intercede. Lord, we pray that you would put to flight the darkness and that, God, you would arise in the land. Lord, we pray for churches to suddenly catch fire. Revival fires would burn in the pulpits of America again, O oh God. We ask you, Lord, for the cross to be the standard, the cross to be lifted up, that Jesus would become king and lord of his own house. We open the door. We say, come in, Lord. We hear you knocking. We are desperate. We are needy. We are blind, miserable, wretched, and poor. We say, come in, Lord Jesus, to your house. And reign, Lord. 
One more time in America again, oh God. Send a mighty rain of the Spirit of the living God on the land. Lord, I thank you. You will deal with the idols. You will deal with the delusion. Lord, you'll deal with the, those who've shed innocent blood. Lord, I thank you. There will be people come to the house of God because for the mercies of God. And because out of the fear of God, and because their enemies have become overwhelming and they're looking for the only hope. And we thank you, the hope is Jesus. He's the light of the world. Lord, we thank you, you've made us also as that light and that salt, the salt. Lord, we ask you, forgive us for losing our flavor. Lord, we ask you to send fresh fire, fresh anointing, fresh anointing upon everyone in this room. Nobody came into this room by accident. No one. Doesn't happen. I've always prayed, God, send the people that you have chosen to spoke this word to in this day. So I thank you. You've done that. And God, we thank you. Your word will never return void. We can't shout all this beyond the four walls unless you send it, Lord. We're raising a banner of truth. And I thank you there are many that are doing that in this hour. We're just among the 7,000. But, Lord, we thank you. You're with us. You're with us. Lord, I pray for miracles in this place this morning. Miracles, Lord. Jesus did not just teach. He did not just preach He healed the sick. His answer, his word was the antidote to the lostness of humanity. So I thank you for that, God, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want us just to stand. I want to, this is what I felt like the Lord said to do. I want to open the altar this morning for three different groups. You guys with me? It's only 11, 12, 11. We're early today. Some of these guys come along. And they preach much longer. And we're not even caring. Do you realize if you go out of here and if you've been a hearer of the word, you're going to go with a full, you're not even going to be hungry at lunch. You had your meal. It's the only thing that's going to sustain you. Now that little meal you're going to get might help you get through the rest until 5 or 6 o'clock. But this word will help you through eternity. It's the word of God. It's not because any man is special, any man has the whole loaf. Jesus is the whole loaf. He's the loaf. He's the bread of life. And Lord, we thank you for that. But number one, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, no man can come to the Father unless he draws them. But he has been lifted up. On the cross, he was lifted up. And he died and he was buried and he rose from the dead. And right now, I believe the Holy Spirit is convicting people watching in this room. This is the day of salvation. We're going to invite you to come. Then secondly, those who are not where you once were with the Lord, but you want to get back there promptly. You want that fire again. You want that freshness in your life. You, you want to go back to the first love that you know he has for you and that you want for him. And you want that fresh surrender. You're saying, God, I'm coming to re-surrender, recommit. 
I come to yield my all to you. I want to leave out these doors this morning on fire for God. And then third, this is what I said, I have felt the Lord. He said, call the people who feel like they're called into some type of ministry. This is an hour where God's going to issue a call. A whole new generation of prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. A whole new generation of missionaries. I'm telling you, radical missionaries. Those who surrender to that call in this hour, you hadn't seen the only half has yet been told. Because the hour is short and God's going to empower missionaries to do things that were formerly only dreamed of. To capture the hearts of entire nations in this hour. And so that third group are those you say, I don't know, maybe I don't know what all it is, but there's a call. I know God's called me to something in my life. And I want to surrender today and then I'll trust him to make it, to, made, make it known to me. Remember what the Lord said, come after me and I'll make you. You come after me, you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And so I want you to come and, and we're just, you come if any one of those three fit your category this morning. We're going to pray for people. And we're going to get in the habit of this. We just thank you, Lord. Just come. Lord, we thank you. God is separating today. He's separating. He's choosing. We all start on the outside. And he's coming. The outside looking in. This is where grace begins. Thank you. We were hungry. We were thirsty. With nothing left to give For the shape that we were Just when all hope seemed long Love opened the door for us He said, come to the table Come join the sinners who have been Take your place beside the Savior. Sit down and be set free. Come to the table. Just come to Him. Prepare our hearts to receive. We're not coming to man. We're coming to the altar of God. We're coming to seek Jesus. Come meet this motley crew of misfits. Liars and these thieves, there's no one who welcome here. So that sin and shame that you brought with you, you can leave it at the door. Let this song go ahead and play out. We come to you, Lord. Lord, we're calling our nation to you this morning. We're calling our sons and daughters. We're calling a generation, God. We're calling them 
the millennials to Jesus in this hour. We're calling our congressmen, our congresswomen. We're calling our politicians. We're calling those in the house and out of the house. of all those that are at the altar this is the first time you say I've never yet surrendered my life to Jesus and I'm coming to him I want him as my Lord and Savior is anyone that fits that particular situation this morning raise your hand we want to know say this is the first time I'm coming to Jesus making sure I'm saved okay then then we're all saved we're all saved so the second thing is those who maybe you're not where you were but you're going to get back where he's called you to be and you lost some of the fire. And you say, God set me on fire again. Lord, I freshly surrender to you. How many at that? That's many. Lord, we thank you. And I just want to pray. And then I'm going to pray that third one. But Lord, I thank you. There's a fresh fire falling on the people of God. The remnant. Lord, I thank you we can come home. I thank you your mercies are new every morning. I thank you, God, there's forgiveness when we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. Lord, I thank you for the gift of repentance. Lord, we repent. We, re we return. You said, if you return to me, I'll return to you. And so, Lord, we return this morning. And I ask God that people would be uh, overwhelmed with that freshness. Lord, as we begin the new year with a fresh surrender. Lord, I've often heard that revival is really a new beginning of obedience to God. And so, Lord, we thank you for individuals that will be in revival when they walk out the door because of a fresh surrender and obedience to the Spirit. And then, Lord, I, the third thing is how many of you feel like there's a call on your life? You may not have it figured out yet. Okay, there's a lot of That's why people come to this church. That's why God's been putting this in me. Because there's so many that have a calling. And I don't know what happened along the way. All I know is he said, I will complete what I started in you. That I will finish what I've begun. So, Lord, we pray today now for those that have a call in their life. Lord, you've marked them even from their mother's womb. Just like we sang that song this morning, I was called from my mother's womb. And I thank you, God, that that's where it began even before we were first heard of or known or seen by human eyes. But God, we thank you. And I pray today that you would stir up that calling 
that you gave and that God you would make a way where there seems to be no way I pray Lord you're not only the door we enter into into eternal life but you're the door we go through to walk out the will because we're in Christ we're in the world but we're in you and you've sent us in the world to do the will of God Lord I thank you this morning there are people at this altar that say I must be about my father's business I must be about all this other stuff I'm involved in I'm going to do, but I must be about my Father's business. And I pray for a fresh surrender and a fresh anointing. Fresh anointing now. Come, Holy Spirit. Now, this is what I see. I could lay hands, but I see the Lord. It's like He's dressed in shepherd's, a shepherd material. And He's walking around laying hands on people right now. The shepherd, the good shepherd. And I thank you, God. Thank you for the calling to preach the gospel. Thank you for the missionary calling. Thank you, Lord. Evangelists, teachers, prophets, the whole ball of wax in this hour. We need it all, God. Lord, we know those are the general callings, but there are things you've called us to that haven't even been defined yet in how we are to walk out what you've called us to walk in. So we pray for that. Inventions. God, we pray. Geographical moves. Lord, all things. There needs to be a release of finances for some. We pray, release of finances. Your calling isn't just what you're going to be someday. Do not fall into the trap of, of waiting around for what you will be someday. Your calling is who you are right now. It is part of your spiritual DNA. So today, it is today. Do what is in your heart, whatever steps God has placed in your heart today and then tomorrow when you wake up it's today again do whatever he shows you today you are who you are so walk in that calling that he's speaking to you some of you have exactly what that calling is you know what it is obey today amen how many of you say yes and amen we just say yes lord we need fresh oil remember the scripture about fresh oil how many of you need an oil change? Okay, so that's what church is too. We get an oil change. You can't run on the same oil. So Lord, we ask for oil change. The oil of heaven. The oil of gladness. God, I ask for the oil of gladness. We've been hearing that prophesied. Let the oil of gladness break out. The goodness of God in the midst of the people of God. In the midst of great battle, let us be the most laughing, happy glad people in the planet in the name of Jesus now I thank you God yes what oh. okay yeah so the calling the Lord told me years ago he said unless you take the first step you'll never know the second or the third or the fourth that will follow so you've taken a step you've taken a step thousands I remember when I did make that first step. And I look back now, I think, God, there have been a bunch of thousands of steps along the way now. You know what I mean? So some of you this morning will be the first step. And I'm telling you, I prophesy to you, thousands and thousands and thousands that will follow. Amen? Some of you that are only here today and you won't be here next week because you're visiting. God bless you. You're an anointed vessel and son and daughter of God. I'm telling you, 
Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. Now you ready for the year? So one more thing we need to do. We need an anointing for this year. We need to declare something. So Lord, show me what we need to declare. He just spoke. We need to declare something. This is not written down, so we need to declare it. To say, I declare in Jesus' name that I am a son or daughter of the living God. I declare that I'm going to follow him all throughout this year. I declare that I am his sheep and I hear his voice and another voice I will not follow. I declare that he that made me as to what I'm to be, I will walk it out in 2019. I will begin today to be everything you've called me to be. I trust you to get me in situations. Get me before people. Get me before kings. Wherever you lead me, I will follow you. And I will speak what you give me to speak. And I will give what you've given me to give. I'll do what you call me to do. Now I can do nothing without you, but I can do all things with you. So I receive right now a fresh anointing, fresh enabling, fresh unction to function. All that I need is in you. You've given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. I'm not going to lack in 2019. I will have more than enough. I will have an abundance because your kingdom never ends. And I thank you for salvation that will visit my household. My sons and my daughters will follow the lamb. They'll follow the king. Now I thank you, God. You will keep me healthy. You'll keep me strong. In my weakness, I will be strong in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I enter the year with faith. I enter the year with fire. I enter the year with conviction. I enter the year that I'm going to go through it. And I'm going to come out the other side. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Thank you for this year. You've made it for me, but you made me for it. Here am I. Send me. Throughout the year, open my eyes to see your face. Open my ears to hear your voice. May others see Jesus in me throughout the year. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. We love you.